Open your Bibles, please, to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 5. Ephesians, chapter number 5. Our text for the message this morning is found in verse number 20, a verse that I'm certain that most all of you are familiar with and probably one of those verses that you kind of expect at this time of the year. Ephesians 5, verse number 20, the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Ephesus says, Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I think it's a sad fact that we don't always recognize the value of, of the gifts that God gives to us. Sometimes we receive things from the Lord that we think are a detriment to our welfare and happiness. Sometimes we receive things of the Lord that we, uh, well, we just got a gut feeling maybe that we kind of deserve that anyway. So we feel like we earned it and, uh, and consequently we really don't appreciate it as much as we should. And whatever the reason might be, I, I'm just convinced that we don't always recognize the, the value of those things that God gives to us. That reminds me of a story that I'm sure most of you have heard. In fact, someone was talking about it just the other day about the two brothers always trying to impress, you know, their mother and buying gifts. She was getting way up in years and every year for her birthday. It didn't make any difference what the one got. The other one, you know, tried to get something that would make a bigger impression uh, on his mother. And so uh, one year, uh, one of the brothers bought a uh, an expensive parrot. It was like $5,000 or something. And this parrot could speak five different languages and sing opera. I mean, wow. It, 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 it was unlike any parrot that you could ever imagine. And so... Uh, the next day after her birthday, you know, he called his mother and, uh, and, and asked her mother how she liked uh, the bird. <laughs> and uh, she said, well, she said, uh, son, it was a little bit tough until I, uh, until I boiled it, and then it was delicious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sometimes we don't understand the value of what we've got, do we? And that... That is a case in point. Uh, we don't appreciate what God sends our way, and we need a reminder just like the one that we've read here. Notice, giving thanks always. Now, the first thing we need to do is to consider the meaning of gratitude because I, I'm not so sure that we do. In order for us to be truly grateful and able to express true thanksgiving, it's got to meet certain criteria that God has set. In other words, we can't just say this is an expression of my gratitude and, uh, and make it so. Uh, we've got to meet this criteria, and there's certain things that must be involved when we say that we're thankful the meaning of true gratitude, it has to be heartfelt for one thing. You know, as strange as that seems, not everybody understands that. 
A lot of folks have the idea that God is satisfied with our ritual or whatever it is that we go through. We can go through the motions and whether or not we really mean it from our heart, you know, it doesn't make any difference because after all we did what was right even though we didn't really want to do it. Kind of like the time that Billy Graham and his wife many years ago, they were attending a revival meeting and... uh, and naturally during the meeting they took up an offering and back then money was really tight and and so the offering plate passed and Billy uh, pulled out a, a bill out of his pocket and he, he thought it was a $1 bill and it was a 20 Now let me tell you, back then, uh, you know, a $20 bill, that's a week's wages. And he dropped that in the plate and so afterwards, he was trying to explain to his wife, dear, we're going to be short on money this week because I intended to put a dollar in the plate and I put 20 in there. And she said, well, you might as well just, you know, it doesn't make any difference. You're just going to get rewarded for the dollar anyway. Because, I'm, look, if your heart's not in it, it really doesn't mean anything to God. I think a good example of that is in Luke chapter 12, and you don't need to turn there. You're familiar with the story of the rich farmer. I mean, here is a fellow that every year he had an abundance of, uh, of a crop and he didn't know what to do. So finally he decided he'd tear down his barns and he'd build bigger barns and just stuff them full. And finally he said, I'll just sit back and say to my soul, soul, take thine ease and just sit back and eat and drink and be merry. Now had anybody asked that man... Are you blessed? Are you thankful? Certainly that man would have said, Indeed I am. Just look at what I've got. My barns are full. I don't have to work anymore. I've got more than I could possibly ever use. And by all outward appearance, you would think this is a man who is thankful, and yet God identifies him as a fool. He said, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. He literally died. And here is a man that although it appeared that he was prosperous, it appeared that he was grateful for what he had. Notice that God wasn't in the picture of his life at all. It was all about him. So I'm saying that our thanks to God has to be heartfelt. Not only that. It has to be honest. You know, it's one thing, it's one thing to thank God in a prayer and another thing to be truly thankful. You know, it's easy to just mouth the words, Lord, we thank you for this and we thank you for that. But to really be truly thankful is something else altogether different. In Luke chapter 18, you'll remember the proud Pharisee. As he stands praying, he wants to make sure everybody can see him and hear him. And he begins to pray. And, and listen, listen to what he says now because he's expressing thankfulness. He says, Lord, I thank Thee. So far, so good, right? I thank Thee. But he's not through yet. He says, I thank Thee that I'm not like this publican over here. Boy, thank you, God, I'm not like that that guy you know i'm better than the samaritans i'm better than those other people you know and so what appeared to be thanksgiving wasn't thanksgiving at all because this man's not honest 
It has nothing to do with him being grateful to God for what he has. It's all about an expression of his self-righteousness. And it's clear that this was a hypocritical prayer. So whenever we give God thanks, it has to be heartfelt, it has to be honest, and it also has to be humble. It has to be something that is born out of a spirit of humility. Gratitude, remember this, gratitude is an act as well as an action. It's an act as well as an action. And I say that because of the fact that a lot of times, you know, we look at these verses where God says, be thankful, and we, we see here a commandment to be thankful. But notice, he's not saying just be thankful. He says what? Give thanks. What does that mean? It means that true thankfulness goes beyond the attitude that I'm grateful for what God has done to the expression or the act of it. Give thanks. You know, you could sit there and sew your lips together and just say, well, I'm thankful in my heart and, and never express it. And listen, you're disobeying God's command. He says, give thanks. You're to put it into words. You are to express it in some way, whether by song or prayer or praise or whatever. We are to express it. And that's what Paul is getting at here. He's telling us that we are to give thanks. But beyond the meaning of this, we need to consider the magnitude of our gratitude. In other words, how important this is. It's really amazing how we tend, you know, to divide up our sins into the big sins and the little sins. And a lot of times we do exactly the same thing with our responsibilities. We think, you know, this is a big responsibility. Forsake not the assembling of thyself together. In other words, church attendance, boy, that's that's one of the biggies there. You better show up on time. Or that we are to give unto the Lord. There's another one of those biggies. If you don't give unto the Lord, why, God's going to shut the windows of heaven and God's going to curse you with a curse. And, you know, that's really going to be bad. And, and so many times we look at all of these responsibilities and we think that some are so much more important than others. And it's so amazing to me that some folks that would condemn their neighbor for not having love in their heart And at the same time, they have no joy in their soul. Now, what makes you better than that person? They're lacking in love. You're lacking in joy. What's the difference? They're both a part of the fruit of the Spirit. Now, I said all of that to say this. Whenever we think about the matter of being grateful and thankful, understand that's always on the big list. It's important because God not only commands it, God deserves it. And when we think of the magnitude of it, I don't want you to think of just about the magnitude of the responsibility, that is how serious it is, but I want you to think about the magnitude of it in regards to the fact that it involves our past and our present and our future. In other words, we think about our past blessings. That's what God has done. I said earlier that this morning I was reading Colossians chapter 1. Listen to what he says in verse number 12. Giving thanks unto the Father who hath made us meet for, to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness 
and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Boy, I'll tell you, if you'll just keep reading that over and over and over again and thinking about each and every one of those phrases. And this morning I got stuck on that phrase there, who hath delivered us. He delivered us. And boy, could I ever make a list right now. He hath. This is something that God has already done. This Thanksgiving, I want you to think about the things, the blessings of the past, the things that God has already done in your life, and be thankful for that. Not only for the past blessings, but for the present blessings. That is, not only for what God has done, but for what God is doing. Because God is active in your life whether you realize it or not. God is hard at work. God is busy. He neither slumbers nor sleeps, but every second of every day, His attention, His thoughts are upon you. God is working on your behalf. And just look around and think about all of the things that you have to be thankful for. How in the world could we remain silent And then not only is there our past blessings and present, but there are those prospective blessings that we have as a result of God's grace. I'm talking about things that God has promised to do, things that is really going to happen. I... uh, Now, whenever I say this, I don't want you to misunderstand and think that I put any stock in dreams because I don't. You know, I don't say, well, I had a dream, so I know God wants me to do this or that. Man, I could eat a peanut butter sandwich and go to bed and have nightmares and don't tell them what I, you know, I, I just dare not. Well, last night, for, 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 for some, some reason, I, you know, I, I, I took a, an allergy pill shortly before bedtime, which I normally don't do, and I guess that set it off. And I had the wildest dream I've ever had. And not only the wildest dream, but in a part of it, I can remember looking up into the sky. And, and I'm not quite sure of what I saw, but I, it was enough to convince me in my mind that this was the coming of the Lord. And I remember turning to Bev saying, the, the Lord has come. Look, look. I woke up shortly after that. Since I'm still here, we either all missed it or it was just a dream. I'm going to assume it was just a dream. Amen. Now, the only reason I mention all of that, folks, is for this reason, because one day that's going to be a reality. Amen. The Lord is going to come. And the clouds of the air and the dead in Christ are going to rise and we'll forever be with the Lord. As Kathy sang about in that song, one of these days we'll be gathered around the throne eternal and receive the reward for the things that we've done and look into the face of those that have been blessings to us. And in that day we'll be ever so thankful for all that God has done. Look, you have all of that to look forward to. As the verse in Colossians said, He he has delivered us, not only delivered us, but He has brought us to a place of an eternal inheritance. You're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Be thankful not only for what God has already done, not only for what He's doing, but for what He's going to do. 
Now, that's the responsibility, but we need to take into consideration the means of gratitude because there's so many times we know what we ought to do, we just find it difficult to really be thankful. I'm talking about heartfelt, honest gratitude with a spirit of humility for what God has done. How, how can we do that? How is it that whenever the Bible says that we're to love one another and we know what our responsibility is, but we look into the face of that neighbor or that co-worker or whoever it is, and we know that we ought to love them, we ought to forgive them and so forth, but we just find out that, well, we can't do it. And by the way, that's the way it is. And there's so many times, you know, we think about, boy, the Lord has blessed me so much. And at the very same time we're saying that, we know in our heart that we're not anywhere near as thankful as we ought to be. So the point is, how is it that we're able to do what God commands us to do? I mean, he tells us that we're to give thanks. How often? Always, right? That can be a tough job because life's not always easy. And even though it's not easy, we're still what? To give thanks. That's what he says. So how can this become a reality in our life? Whenever we think about the fact that what the Spirit of God does in the heart of a child of God, it is a reminder. We think about, you know, there, there's no such thing as a fruit factory. You know, they make a lot of different things in factories, but nobody produces fruit. Fruit grows on the tree, right? And whenever we think about the fruit of the Spirit, that is love and joy and peace and those other six things that he mentions there, and we think about those, these are things that the Spirit of God produces in the life of a child of God. And the key, listen, the key is this, and that is that we abide in Christ. John 15, verse 4 and 5, Jesus said, Without me you can do nothing except you abide in me. That word abide means to dwell or to fellowship or to reside. That is that we live in close communion with Him. You see, the only way I can be as thankful as I ought to be is for me to yield myself to God to such an extent that I'm under His control. And I can't be under His control without being thankful. Did you notice the context of our text this morning? He tells us that we're to be thankful always, but notice the context. Verse 18, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. In other words, one of the evidences that the Spirit of God is controlling my life is the fact that I have a thankful heart. And so this is something that God enables us to do, not something that we're able to do ourselves. You know, in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23, it says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. All of the issues of life proceed out of the heart. And if my heart is not set upon the Lord, 
if my affections are not inclined unto the Lord, if my life is not yielded unto the Lord, I'm never going to be able to be thankful as I ought to be. In other words, being a child of God gives you the potential for the Spirit-filled life. Being a child of God gives you the potential for loving your enemies. But it doesn't mean that you will, not to the extent that you should. You just now have the potential to do so. So although we've been saved, we also have to be so surrendered, yielded to the Spirit of God that He's now controlling our life. And if He's not controlling our life, then our life is out of control. And whenever He is controlling our life, all of a sudden He begins to produce these things that, that God demands that we could never supply. The responsibility to love, to forgive, to be thankful, whatever it is you want to put on the list, you cannot do it in and of yourself, regardless of who you are. Now, there's one other thing I want you to think about, and that's the measure of our thankfulness. Because it's something that evidently can be measured if you look back in chapter 2 of Ephesians. Notice what he says in verse 6. To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. So our, our thoughts are on God's grace, and that's His unmerited love. Chapter 2, verse 6. Notice what God has done. He raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Whenever we focus on the things that God has done and the fact that it all comes as a result of His grace, then we have nothing whatsoever to boast about. Abounding, notice verse 8 of chapter 1, wherein he hath abounded in all wisdom and prudence. He has abounded, that is God's grace, is above and beyond, and he has abounded, as it were, in his love toward us. And then he tells us that our love, our gratitude, is to be abundant toward Him. I believe it was in Colossians where Paul was writing about this very thing in chapter 2 of Colossians, verse 6. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord. Have you? Notice he's talking about people that have been saved. So walk ye in Him, rooted and builded up in Him, and established in the faith as ye have been taught. Notice abounding therein with thanksgiving. We're talking about the measure of our gratitude. And it evidently can be measured because here he talks about the fact that we ought to be abounding. And that word abounding means to overflow. It means to exceed. It means to go beyond. And he says that we are to be abounding. And this word is in the present tense that means it is to be continual 
or as we might say, it's to be something that's habitual in our life. It's not something that just rises up on occasion. It's not something that we just express on Thanksgiving Day. It's not something that we do just on the Lord's Day, but it is a manner of life. It's the way that we live, our lifestyle. It is to reflect the fact that we are thankful. It's overflowing and abounding to the extent that it becomes obvious to others. Now, the question is, how many people do you know, how many people can you think of that it is absolutely obvious to you that they are just they are just overflowing with gratitude for God's blessings. And I've got a gut feeling there's not many names on your list. We're to be abounding with thanksgiving. And yet we look around and we find it to be a rarity when it ought to be something that is as common for the Christian as breathing. You know, the normal healthy person is able to breathe just fine without any aid or without anybody reminding, now dear, you need to take another breath. You need to breathe. No, No, we do it. Why? Because we're healthy. We do it because it's just something that's normal. Why would we need a lecture, a sermon, a reminder, or anything else to convince us that we need to count our blessings? He says it is to be abounding. And notice my question to you this morning is, is it abounding in your life? I hope you won't judge me or your wife or your husband or anybody else, but I I want you to sit in judgment of yourself this morning and ask yourself, am I truly abounding with thanksgiving toward God? Because if not, then, then you're coming up short. Your thanksgiving doesn't measure up to the standard that God expects. And it listen, it never will until, first of all, notice he says, that we are to abound therein with thanksgiving. And he's speaking here to and about those. Notice, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus. You'll never be able to be truly thankful. You'll never be able to love others as you ought to. You'll never be able to fulfill your responsibilities to God or man until, first of all, you've received Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You know, the Bible says even the plowing of the wicked is sin. And by the way, the Bible is very clear about the fact that every unsaved person is a wicked sinner. And it says even their plowing is sin in the sight of God. That's just another way of saying there's absolutely nothing on this earth that any unsaved person can do that would be acceptable and pleasing in the sight of God. And if you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can sit down at the table with your family together on Thanksgiving and say, let us all bow our heads. Dear God in heaven, we thank you for this food before us and we thank you for family and friends and all of your blessings. You can say all those fine words that you please and it amounts to absolutely nothing in the ears of God. 
In fact, it is akin to blasphemy for us on one hand to say thank you, Lord, on the other hand to reject His own dear Son who shed His blood for us. If you want this to be a true thanksgiving, then you need to receive Christ as your Savior. And if you've been saved, notice what he said there in Ephesians. He tells us that we are to, first of all, be filled with the Spirit. Let me ask a question. Are you concerned about God's will? Does it make any difference to you? You know, sometimes when a preacher is preaching, it's kind of like you get the impression that, you know, the people, uh, the people uh, think I'm expecting them to respond because it's what I want them to do. It didn't have anything to do with me at all. I had one fellow tell me years ago, he said, well, preacher, you just expect too much of people. Well, it doesn't make any difference what I expect. It's what God expects. That's the only thing that's really important is what does God expect? Do we really care about God's will for our life? Now, listen, if you're here and you're not saved, I want you to know God, even though you're not concerned about it, God is. The Bible said God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Do you want to please God? Do you want to do the will of God? Then you have to come to that place of repentance where you change your mind about self and sin and the Savior and trust Christ as your Lord and Savior. That pleases God. Christian, if you're here today and you're really concerned about the will of God in your life, sometimes we hear people say, well, I just want to do the will of God more than anything. Oh, if God had sent me to Africa as a missionary, if that's His will, I'd go. If God wants me to give 20% instead of 10%, I'd do that. I, you know, I just want to do the will of God. You want to know what the will of God is? Here, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18, In everything give thanks. Notice, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Regardless of who you are, you can do the will of God by simply being truly thankful. And we have so much to be thankful for. Now, whether your need is salvation or whether your need today is as a Christian is to just surrender yourself to, to, to the Spirit of God to the extent that He's able to produce gratitude in your heart that would cause you to express your thankfulness for the grace of God. Whatever it is, you need to do business with God today and settle that. And if you're here awaiting baptism, we encourage you to come right now. We're going to stand. We're going to sing together. We invite you to come, whatever your need is. It might be... It might be you have a burden on your heart, something you want to pray about. It might be that you don't want to ask God for anything. You just want to thank God for everything. And maybe right where you are, it might be you want to come and kneel at an old-fashioned altar of prayer and just say, Thank you, Lord, for your blessings on me.